Hi everybody, you're listening to The Rock Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to episode zero before attempting it. Find it at the top of our Fat Life page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom. We're rope partners who have been doing rope together for about four years now. We're very excited to share our passion for rope with you from our beautiful city of Bangkok, Thailand. And today we're going to discuss a topic that can be a bit more difficult for many of us, so just to be aware of that, which is the concept of failure Ouch. in rope. That right? sounds like it hurts. It, I think it can hurt. So is there really such a thing as failure in rope, though? So that Maya. is a great starting question. So Thank you, Maya. <laughs> So, I do my best, you know. It's not easy, but day after day, I come in, I try to think of good questions, and then I uh-huh. ask them to you. Wait, that's how odd that works. Yeah. So can you really fail in rope? Well, on one level, no, because there's no um, committee setting rope exams or anything like that. The end. See you in two weeks, guys. <laughs> However, um People generally, we people, not Fox and Maya, uh, do think that you can. Um, and that is because failure is in our head and is a subjective concept in this particular case. So what you're saying is you make it to failure by the way you think about the experience. Yeah, you decide in your head that something is a failure. So it tends to be a very personal um, concept in rope. All right, let's get personal then. So um, let me give an example. So uh, for me, it could be um, if I couldn't complete a tie um, that the rigger had set up, um, so I had to say for it out of the tie or just ask for the tie or to come down, Mm -hmm. um, then I might feel like I've failed. Or if I feel like I've been, uh, for whatever reason, I've assigned a, a bad bottom in a scene. So I might feel like I've failed in those situations. And but. so to be clear, it's completely subjective. Maybe you've been up for 20 minutes in a suspension and the rigger thinks that's very good. But you yourself feel like maybe that wasn't adequate. And it's really you interpreting it that way, right? Exactly. And maybe um, in my head, I have a concept that I have to wait for the rigor to set me down and so if Mm -hmm. i'm the one who says i'd like to come down then i feel like i've failed and there's no no committee that says that that's the case what about you and obviously you could have the situation where the rigor thinks you want to stay up as long as you can and thus waits for you to say you want to come down absolutely when you've both set each other up to fail (laughs) by a failure to communicate beforehand yeah yeah so what about you are there any situations where in the past uh you might have felt like you've failed in inverted commas for me it's a little bit different i'm a top not a bottom i think for me i can have i can have a sensation of failure if i feel i didn't create an interesting shared experience with my partner or partners and that's more what rope is about for me so i don't so much care about achieving a certain result like okay you need to hang from your big toe for 55 minutes I don't really care about that. But if at the end of my scene, I feel like we haven't created an interesting interaction, an interesting experience, then I might feel like a failure. Okay. 
Um, and, and where failure comes from is a pretty deep question, um, but we can see some, some places. So what, what kind of um, external pressures do you think help create feelings of failure in people? Well, I think people tend to compare themselves to a benchmark. Absolutely. That benchmark can be different things. It can be people you've seen at your local rope jam or in a class you attended. It can be, God forbid, a photo you've seen on FetLife that, by the way, might have been photoshopped. I know. Always crazy when that's pointed out to me. Let me break the news to you, dear listeners. Some photos on FetLife and on Instagram are photoshopped. And by that, I don't only mean that they took the chubs out of the belly area. I mean, also like sometimes the rope itself has been altered, like extra support lines have been erased and things like that. And you're like, how is that person hanging just from their ear when actually they're not? It's like Chinese cinema when they fly in the air with cables and then they erase the cables. Yeah. Same principle. Uh, And we have an episode on... um using photos um, mm-hmm. as an inspiration to tie, which I'll link to, which I think is useful and talks about Yeah, that personally, I think it's a great episode. <laughs> okay. So what other... Um, I, so I think um, mm-hmm. I want to pick up there on um, what I've heard called comparisonitis, which I think oh, is nice super... Word. Yeah, it's actually from the author community, but um, I think it's a super useful concept. So where we spend our time comparing ourselves um, to stuff that you know, is an unrealistic benchmark. Mm -hmm. And you have this idea in your head of what you as a rope bottom should be able to do and the idea can be completely skewed. Yeah, all tops can do this. All bottoms can do this. Which in reality is like all the 1% of bottoms you see in professionally shot videos can do this, which is not exactly the same as real life. No. Um, and so what about internal pressures? Those are some external pressures. What what internal pressures might we feel? As a top, I think when you tie something and it doesn't look pretty, even though it might be like doing a great job, it might be showing your partner a good time, you might be having fun doing it, but if it doesn't appear the way you expect it to, it can feel like a failure. Yeah, and and uh, I mean that kind of can link to external pressures as well. Where there's a pressure, I think, for a rope to look neat or pretty when actually that's nothing to do with the experience of the scene. Yeah, absolutely, and and also there can be expectations in the way your partner is going to react in the scene. If your bottom seems a bit bored, seems like they're not present to the scene, that can very easily feel like a failure. Yeah, and um, and we're going to talk about this a lot. You can't read someone's mind. So unless you know them really well or slash, you know, hot news, ask them and communicate, you don't know how they're feeling. Mm. Um, okay, I think other internal pressures um, more common with bottoms, but not necessarily only are safe wording. So safe wording is a, is a real challenge because on the one hand, we as as a community very much support it. On the other hand, it can feel like you are disappointing the other person in the scene. Um, And there's also something about when your connection doesn't feel right in a scene. Um, And you might put that down to your own um, internal um, feels when it might actually be something completely different or actually the connection might be fine. It's just your perception. Yeah, it's easy to uh, psych yourself with that stuff of like, 
oh, she's not enjoying it. She's not enjoying it. She's not enjoying it. What am I, what am I doing wrong? When in fact, everything's fine. And you're just like telling this story to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And the other one, which I think is a, a big one and um, we're going to touch on a bit more later is injury. So injury can certainly induce very strong feelings of failure in everyone. And it seems to me, if you're doing rope bondage with any frequency, eventually you will have an injury either in your own body if you're a bottom or cause an injury in someone else if you're a top. And it's not really a question of if, it's more a question of when. So you should be prepared for that. And there's definitely consequences to how you handle it. Absolutely. When and how you deal with it, I think, are the most important things. Yeah. So in terms of um, what we experience in the wake of failure... Let me guess, you're going to have feelings. Yeah, (laughs) no feelings are your best thing. What are your feelings when you think you've experienced failure? So it's very um, individual to the person again, Um, but it could include feelings of shame, of sadness, of anxiety, of embarrassment, of inferiority. Um, feeling down, feeling disconnected, disappointed, uh, worthless. Um, and Just that? <laughs> Just a couple, you know. She, I'm giving examples. So, if you don't know Maya very well yet, she, she has a lot of feelings all the time. Okay, but also I'm a psychologist. So, like, you know, I have, I'm able to explore these kind of things. Um, and imposter syndrome is another, um, thing you can get, which is where you feel that everyone at any minute is going to discover that you're not as good as they think you are. And in rope, (laughs) in rope, um, that can definitely be the case. Like if you're in your community and you're someone who people ask questions of, maybe you feel like, oh my God, one day everyone's going to realize I don't know anything. Do you, like, wake up in the middle of the night I, like, with those anxieties? I feel imposter syndrome in every area of my life, including the podcast. Good job. <laughs> I, I don't. I'm going to go on the record no and say shit. that I don't. You can ask me as many questions <laughs> as you want. I would never feel like an imposter. Hey, guys. This is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this podcast and sharing it with you. But your support can really help us pay for the hosting, the equipment, and other critical costs. So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope tutorials and gear so we get a small commission from your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, you could also donate to us directly on our Patreon, either as a one-off amount or a monthly support that can be as little as the price of a cup of coffee. If you can't afford to do that, that's okay. Just enjoy the podcast and maybe tell a kinky friend or two about it. Now back to today's episode. Um, what this commun- topic of communication, see, we're talking about communication and feelings. Yeah, that's so original. All your best things. Yeah. Um, what the top and bottom say to each other um, is super critical in terms of both inducing feelings of failure and also mitigating for feelings of failure. Oh, okay, I think I have some examples of things I have heard tops say to bottoms. That were pretty bad. So if you want, I can share with some of these. Yeah, and some of these are things that tops have said to me also. So yeah, yeah go for it. You, it's really lovely. You read them out because these are all top things, right? And I'm sure, dear listeners, if you've ever been to a rope jam, you will recognize some of those sentences that like people say to each other yeah. and make each other miserable. With. So we suggest you don't say these things. Okay, so what might <laughs> we not say? Well, you used to be able to do this. Yeah, that's not going to make the person feel great. 
Or even better, I thought you were an experienced rock bottom, so you'd be okay in this tie. Yep, someone said that to me, and it was a bad, bad moment. Like you just basically want to kill them. When they I say that wanted to, you. to. I just felt I didn't feel good. But wait, there's more. What about? Oh, I, I do this with Jessica all the time, and it's no problem. Yeah, so that's really enhancing the comparisonitis, like taking the person's comparisonitis and increasing Running it to it. the max. Yeah. <laughs> but bottoms can um, do it too. Yeah, um, they can. And they do regularly. Yeah. So one example that a bottom might say is, oh, when I bottom normally, I find this position so comfortable. And obviously they say that to you while you're dying. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and they might take it to the top as well. Like, oh, basically normally the other people who tie this tie, tie it super comfortably. Whereas your, the tying of your tie is not comfortable. Okay. So my sidebar here, there is a thing in BDSM, which is emotional sadomasochism. Yes. And that includes things like humiliation, degradation, and that's a completely valid kink and type of play. So to be clear here, we're not talking about doing those things on purpose to produce consensual feelings of humiliation and degradation. There's nothing wrong with that. If you have established that consent and that's what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And it's really critical that the bottom and the top, depending on what you're doing, usually the bottom, understands and knows that that was the... Yeah, because otherwise you're just making someone feel shitty for no good reason. Yeah. Yeah. That's not great. Yeah. So a good, um, good sidebar. So this isn't about, um, making people fail on purpose, no. which is a kink and a different thing. But even then, there are some things that you need to do, which is obviously consent and making sure that the bottom understands what the situation is. So Maya, speaking of consent, you have mentioned something about safe words earlier and safe words are really important to consent and to safety. So what's going to help someone not feel like a failure when they've had to use a safe word to stop a scene? Um, so how the other person, the person who didn't safe word responds is critical. So it, some, sometimes, not unreasonably, we do feel a bit disappointed when someone safe words because it might stop a scene that for it us might, it might stop the nice. fun. Like yeah. you were going to come yeah. in 20 seconds and then everything stops and like, who it's, took, who took the candy shop away? That, that sounds like, um, just a random example out of nowhere. You know, it's not. No. <laughs> Also, uh, anyway, so yeah, that's definitely one of them. Um, but despite the disappointment that you might feel, um, it's really critical because this is a fundamental pillar of BDSM that you positively reinforce that it is appropriate and good for someone to use their safe word top or bottom at any time. So that is a cornerstone of consent that you are able to um, step out of that um, interaction at any time. All right. That seems really important. So by positively reinforce, you mean tell the other person, it's good that you use your safe word. It's okay that you use your safe word. I really appreciate that you're trying to keep us safe. I'm by not using mad at you for word. using your safe word. Yeah. That, that sort of thing. I mean, I, I would only say that if the person asks, I would just stick to the positive things because saying I'm not mad indicates there's a possibility that someone might think you are mad. Okay, interesting. And see, dear listeners, that's why we have a psychologist on the <laughs> podcast. So, yeah, I would stick to, um, I really appreciate you using your safe word. 
Um, it's really important that we keep each other safe and using our safe words is one of the ways for doing that. And then if they say, are you mad at me? Then obviously you can respond to that. But um, I think that saying, oh, I'm not X, Y, and Z will bring those feelings up in the other person. Okay, that's really interesting. I learned something today. Okay. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's jump in a bit more in the nitty-gritty of things. What kind of ways have you experienced failure as a bottom Maya? Um, so one, uh, recent, um, experience actually was we watched some, um, active bottoming videos, active bottoming rope classes. Yes. Um, and we were trying to reproduce the exercises, um, which were positioned as, I'm not sure easy, but, but kind of like the, is- the way the presenter was talking about them. Everyone Creating should be able an expectation to, do them. Expectation, to be able to yeah. do them. Yeah. Um, and honestly, some of them I couldn't. Um, the person who was doing them was a prof- professional rope bottom and a circus person and uh, lighter than I am mm-hmm. um, and probably didn't have chronic pain. And I mean, we can't really speak to that. But. True, true that. Um, but basically... I couldn't reproduce them in the way that they had. And the, yeah, the expect, I had an expectation that we would be able to, and I did not feel great about not being able to reproduce those exercises in that case. All right. So if you're out there listening to this podcast and you're a teacher or a presenter, it might be worth it to ponder how the way you present your content is going to make people feel if it's a bit out of their range. Yeah. Yeah. And also just honestly getting like an inverted commas more normal bottom to experience the exercises as well so that you can see, okay, this is what someone could have trouble with. Mm. Um, I think that would be super useful rather than having the bottom do them and be like, oh, so this is how you do them. But actually a lot of people aren't going to be able to do them. Mm. So that definitely experienced, um, I had some experience of failure then. Um, safe wording is a challenge for me. Um, if I can't achieve a position, I will push myself as long as I can to try. Mm-hmm. And if I have to safe word out of it, I'm going to feel disappointed, um, particularly if it feels a bit more goal focused. And I think for me, suspension tends to be a bit more goal-focused because it's more obvious what we're going for. Oh, that's interesting. And I guess there's not a universal definition of what is a successful suspension versus an unsuccessful one. No, And I've had people stay up in full suspension for more than 30 minutes. And when they come down, they're like, oh, I feel like I couldn't really do it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and what I would say is intellectually, obviously we're doing this episode, intellectually I understand that it's not a failure, but emotionally it feels like a failure. Man, those emotions, they always get you, don't they? <laughs> um, the photo thing um, is another interesting one. So sometimes you can do a rope scene and feel amazing and yeah. feel like you're beautiful and strong. You're a beautiful, sparky princess. <laughs> And then you look at the photo afterwards and you look like a sausage that was hung upside down and that had clothes on. But a beautiful sparkly sausage though. (laughs) And it does not look like you looked in your head. And so photos can be a pro and a con. And um, I think it's worth managing, discussing it and managing photos because Mm. sometimes you 
can feel like a failure. And I think it's also useful to remember that photos are not the truth either. And it's definitely possible to take a very ugly photo of a very beautiful person, depending on angle, lighting, a million of factors. Like just because a photo doesn't look good doesn't mean you didn't look good in the moment. Well, and also I think that's not, I totally um, support that. But what I would say is that's not quite the point that I'm, trying to make I'm trying to make that it's I'm trying to say that it's about it doesn't matter what the photo actually was it's about the person's what's in the person's head and how they individually interpret that photo like everyone uh-huh. else might like look at that photo and think oh that's really beautiful and amazing but in your head you had a different vision and so and it doesn't match and okay. also honestly when in general people are not very good at looking at photos of themselves most yeah, of us don't no, enjoy really, photos of I, myself. I seeing photos of myself. Yeah. Uh, what about as a top? As a top, I think one thing that's never fun for anyone is when your tie falls apart. Yes. Okay. Like, fair. <laughs> the rope literally falls down from the person. Uh, doesn't tend to happen to me too much because I'm amazing. No, just Lol. kidding. Because I tend to tie really tight. <laughs> you do tie very tight, yeah. And so my rope tends to stick in place pretty well, but sometimes especially with face ties or tying parts of the body mm. that have a bit more unusual shape or are a bit more squishy so you can't quite use as much tension on them or it wouldn't be as safe to use as much tension on them, I would say. Or you're tying a tepu. <laughs> uh, then those things sometimes can slip out of position. And then in the moment, the feeling you have to process is, well, I'm, I'm a shit trigger. I can tie a rope properly. And that's not great. And also, obviously, it looks kind of terrible in photos when you have a bit like just hanging. Okay. Uh, so that would be one. One thing that can also make you feel inadequate as a top is to do with suspension and uplines. And if you have uplines that slip or uplines that jam or things like that, you, you can have insecurities of, am I good enough to be putting a person's life in danger mm. with this? Mm. Mm. Okay. Uh, and then there's another category that's a bit different and doesn't have to do with your rigging skills. And that is when you have pushed your bottom too hard. Mm. And as BDSM people, we often like to push things. We like to play... With extremes, we like to explore our boundaries. But if you do that a bit too hard, or if you do that without the right understanding of your partner, or if you do that without the right connection on that particular day, it can lead you to a failure state, I would say. To a, fi- a feeling of failure. So yeah. again, I'm gonna. it's interesting your positioning of those. Like, Thank you. All of those, can, again, are perceived failures rather than like actual absolute failures and that's super important okay so what so say we have an experience like we've described and one of the parties feels like they failed what do we do to manage that situation well i think you need to talk talking all the communication (laughs) all the time yeah welcome to the talking podcast yeah (laughs) okay so aftercare um it definitely includes communication. So what kinds of things might we make sure we communicate about? I think you want to reassure the person if you 
feel like everything was good for you, well, you can say it. Yeah, okay. So wait, let me just go back. I think one question that um, is worth asking in aftercare is how do you feel about the scene? Yeah. Which is like a big um, open question. And which... then if you ask this question to Maya, she'll say, shut up, I don't want to talk about it. Well, she'll say, I'm an introvert and I need to give have some processing time rather than while I'm still like tied up. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, I think it's important to create space for the other person if it feels like the other person has had a challenging time. And you can do that in several ways, uh, listening to them. If they're not really talking, you can maybe gently probe at their feelings, but without being too invasive. And maybe come back to them, especially if you know they're an introvert, maybe come back to them the next day. Yeah, sometimes sometimes time is helpful. Or come back to them on text, because some people find it easier to talk about difficult subjects on text. Uh, which leads to an interesting question, and that is, when you had what was perceived as a failure, should you get back on the horse right away or not? Mm. I think that's a really good question. So I actually think that something that is worth doing, particularly if you're a long-term tying pair, is to have the discussion in advance. Okay, so feelings of failure are a thing in human beings. If one of us feels like we failed, how are we going to approach this afterwards? Like, what are we going to do? Mm. Are we going to try and tie again immediately? Do we need to let our feelings out a bit first? Um, do we want to tie something different there and then to end on a more positive note? Which can be a great way to recover, but which can also be an added risk if you compound one problem with another tie that then doesn't go right either. Yeah, so an, an Ishinawa might be the low risk I think there are factors such as how much time do you have left? Yes, very much Do you have so. time to restart and do something properly? Because if you've got 10 minutes left and then the venue is going to close, it's not the time to try to no, save it. And maybe cuddles would be better. Um, and honestly, how affected were you by the first event? Are you in a physical and intellectual and emotional state that's going to make it likely you're going to be successful. Yeah. And then there's injury. Obviously, if someone's yeah. injured, you almost certainly don't want to be. Um... Yeah, if your femur is poking through the skin, it's not the time to start the second scene. So even so, injury is an interesting one, but even injury doesn't have to be a failure. So what what are the conditions that we can set up to mean that injury, if it happens, isn't a failure? I think having discussed risk profiles with your partner is really important and having ensured that you both have a similar understanding of what the risks of rope bondage are, have agreed on what's acceptable or not for the both of you. Like some people don't tie TKs because they have a high incidence of radial nerve injury. Some people don't feel comfortable with certain types of suspensions and so on. So if you have established a common ground with your partner on what's acceptable risk-wise, when the risk does realize, and sadly, eventually it will, you're much better prepared to face it, I think. Yeah, yeah. And communicating and giving good feedback during the scene, mm -hmm. not tying outside your skill level, not bottoming outside your bottoming level, setting the scene up as a shared experience and shared responsibility is so super what, important. What do you mean by shared responsibility, Maya? 
I mean, that's, there are situations where people are injured and it's considered, in inverted commas, just the top's fault. Yep. And I feel that as long as, you know, we're not tying outside our skill level, et cetera, et cetera, as we said, then we are taking shared responsibility for the risk that we are taking by doing rope. Assuming that the top's not doing anything that's not outrageous. Been, well, I, I, was, I mean, no, not outrageous, just not been consented to. Yeah. Like if the bottom consents to big toe suspension over a body of water and it goes wrong and they've discussed the risks, then that's not just the rigger's fault. That's both Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe the wrong word. That's a shared responsibility. Uh, there was a really interesting event uh, in a conversation on FetLife about a photo um, where Zero G was modeling and people were saying, wow, your rigger is taking so many risks doing that position over the water. And if you fall, you're going to drown. And how can he take those risks with your body? And her answer, which I'm going to paraphrase, and I apologize if I paraphrase it incorrectly, was like, dude, I'm, I'm like part of the team and I've decided to do this position and I know what risk I'm taking with my own body. It's not somebody else doing it to me. Yeah. And I really like this approach to things. Yeah, yeah. So um, in terms of processing some of the feelings, and obviously this isn't a therapy podcast, but we can make some suggestions. I mean, more and more every day. Nah, nah, nah. And one thing I say is it might be, if it's a serious um, issue, then it might be helpful to talk mm -hmm. to a therapist. Um, particularly if it's a pattern, honestly, in your life. Like if you experience feelings of failure in everything all the time, you're a, a super high perfectionist who's really critical about yourself, you're codependent, you have imposter syndrome, like we talked about later, um, you have generalized anxiety disorder, And, and those things you bring to your role, well, okay, maybe I think you should be going to therapy. I mean, in yeah. general, I'm a fan of therapy for most And, and sidebar, both Maya and I have done therapy both individually and also together, and we're not ashamed of that. No, we think it's a very positive We think it's brilliant, thing. and we recommend it. Yeah, we very much do. So that's one thing, therapy. Um, you also might need to spend more time than normal talking to both each other um, or to others to work it through. Um, mm. So that's important. And the research also suggests that um, the, the best way to um, process feelings or to manage feelings is to... To be a robot! Wrong. <laughs> We're working on not being a robot, remember? Is to accept the feelings without attaching to them. So to, and this is a much deeper topic and people um, would benefit from looking up mindfulness around this area. But essentially, it's to let the feelings, let yourself feel the feelings and then let the feelings go, yeah. which is much easier said than done. But it's worth looking into if this is an issue for you. And you can always come visit us in Thailand, which is Buddhist country. And we have a lot of mindfulness ecosystem around us. So it's a good place yeah, to uh, discover that or work on it. Maybe and I'll you see can if... have a rope holiday at the same time. <laughs> Maybe I'll see if um, I can find some links for that. Okay, so how might we avoid failure in the first place? So failure, we said, is okay, but it might be unpleasant. So avoiding it might be a good idea anyway, right? Yeah. Ideally, we want right. to not experience um, feelings of failure. I think the way you set up your rope relationship will be quite important and how you can cooperate, talk to each other. Just, yeah, the relationship you create with your tying pair seems quite important. What do you think, Maya? Uh, yeah, I would definitely agree. So what kind of things 
how how does that influence like what are the options in that i think the way you talk about rope with your partner is going to matter and if you talk only about outcomes like oh we want to achieve this particular position or i want you to stay in the splits for 20 minutes so those are outcomes yes and that sets you up for a bigger risk of not reaching those outcomes if you talk more about a process like oh i really enjoy when i'm sliding rope over your skin that's that's enjoying the journey not the destination and there's no really any way to fail at that i feel yeah i think uh that process versus outcome is definitely part of it i think if you're a non-power exchange relationship and obviously we're we're not that but if you have a non-power exchange relationship you have more potential to set up um a, a tying experience where you're both equal and there's less there's no goal there's experimentation mm, that um, seems fair um i think the remembering that failure is a relative thing it's yeah. a feeling that you feel it's a feeling it's not a fact um and focusing on um progress in your rope rather than perfection like there is no perfect sorry to say to everyone um and focusing on progress and growth is a much more healthy thing than focusing on perfection mm -hmm. which i think also relates to remembering what you want to experience out of rope yes and if you're someone who for instance is doing rope for the sensual aspect for enjoying nice touch then do you really care what the photo looks like yeah like, Remember what's important to you and be chill about the rest. Yeah. And and agree having that conversation beforehand about the goals that the two of you are going for, I think is also critical because maybe you feel you failed at something the other person couldn't give a monkeys about. Okay. True that. Um, I mean, I don't usually give monkeys to people because they're a dirty. Bit, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a bit judgmental. I, I think yes. you're invalidating the monkey. I'm not say keen that. on animals in my house. Right. So anyway, uh, communicating. Yeah, communicating is good. We we covered that pretty extensively, I feel. You feel? Yeah. All right. Uh, there is one thing I would like to conclude on, Maya, and okay. it's actually something I guess you taught me. So that's the that's problem when you date a psychologist. They tend to rub off on you over time. Um, and that is the notion of a growth mindset. And that allows us to tie this notion of perceived failure into something positive. And the idea is that don't be obsessed with outcomes, but look at behaviors. And if you're happy with the way you handled something, if you're happy with the way you tried, that might actually be more important than what you did or did not achieve in the end. Absolutely. Because I'll link to some growth mindset articles because yeah. it's a super helpful concept. I think, I think you told me the research shows that you get better progression over time when you're minding your behaviors rather than your results yes absolutely and in the context of bdsm in particular if you get better at handling those moments you perceive as failures well it's going to be amazing because it makes you so much more free to explore and to push your boundaries while feeling safer because whatever the outcome of the experiment is you know you'll be able to handle it yeah and that's a, kind of an amazing great. feeling, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think... Um, that's why BDSM turns us into superheroes. <laughs> I think handling, being able to handle perceived failures, mm. it can become a real yeah. strength. 
oh yeah, that's a skill you can acquire in your BDSM practice and then probably transfer to the rest of your life and that's going to help you feel better and be stronger in every facet of your life eventually. Awesome. All right. So that's all from us at the World Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and come friend us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. You can also find all the ways to support us on our website, ropepodcast.com. We also love questions from listeners, so drop us a message on FET and we'll try and answer you in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.